0: Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. I, I'm going to do my best to not preach too long this morning. But I do want to share with you what I believe the Lord's put in my heart this morning. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. These will be the only verses that are on the screen. Everything else is on your handout this morning. The points only will be on the screen after we read our opening text. So let's look Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18 through verse 25. It says now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows: After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, "Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take the you marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit." And she will bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Would you pray with me, Father? We thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for your word. And I ask you today, God, to touch me and anoint me. And help me to say everything that you'd have me to say. Guide my thoughts, guide my words. And help me to say no more or no less than what needs to be said I ask you today to open the hearts of your people, open their eyes to see what they've never seen before, open their ears to hear, and I pray, God, today that lives will be touched and changed, and for all that you do, we'll give you praise, honor, and glory for it all. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. This morning we read a very familiar passage of Scripture that deals with the birth of Jesus Christ. And although we are familiar with the passages that speak of Jesus' birth, it's a story that never grows old. It's an account of sovereignty, of grace, of splendor, and salvation. The coming of Christ to this earth in the form of a child, in the form of a man was absolutely necessary for the redemption of mankind. I want you to understand that He had to be born so that He could die. That had there been no birth, there would have been no death. And had there been no death, there would be no substitutionary atonement and we would still be in our sins. As I stand before you this morning and as we get ready to celebrate Christmas, I can't think about Christmas without also being reminded of Calvary. He was born to shed His blood. He was born to lay down His life. And as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior in the coming days, I... Pray this morning that we'll be reminded of all that He has fulfilled as He lived life upon this earth. This passage this morning speaks of the coming of Jesus Christ. It speaks of His birth. It speaks of Him being born of a virgin. And how many know this morning that His birth was the most significant birth ever? And there's been nobody born like Him since the time of His birth. Our text deals with Joseph, the man engaged to Mary as she was found with child. It reveals a conversation Joseph had with the angel of the Lord in his obedience to the will of God. This morning, I want to look at the details of this divine encounter as we think on this lessons learned at Christmas. And there are six lessons I want to give you from the birth of Jesus. Six lessons that we can learn from Him coming into this world. In fact, it's six lessons about God that we take away from the birth of Jesus. The first thing I want you to notice this morning is this. God interrupts our plans. The first lesson we learn from Christmas, the first lesson we learn from the birth of Jesus, is that God interrupts our plans. The text tells us that Mary and Joseph, they were engaged to one another. They were pledged to be married And I can imagine that they were excited about their future together as husband and wife. I can just see them in my mind counting down the days until they could be together and live together as husband and wife. I can see them making wedding plans and sending out wedding invitations and making preparations for their big day. But verse 18 tells us that before they came together, that before they were married, she was found with child. Now take a moment to consider how Joseph must have felt at that time. His wife, his bride-to-be is pregnant and he knows he's not the father. Put yourself, if you're a man here this morning, in Joseph's shoes. You love your bride-to-be dearly. But now you've got devastating news that she's found to be with child. She's pregnant and you know it's not yours. Just imagine how he must have felt. He had great plans for his family. He had great plans for his home. And now it all had been turned upside down. He really loved Mary. He genuinely loved her. But now he's having second thoughts. And the text says that he was going to put her away privately. He was going to divorce her secretly. He didn't want to make a spectacle out of the situation He didn't want to disgrace Mary and bring harm to Mary. That's how much he was concerned about her. But here's the thing about this situation. What began as the happiest moment in his life quickly brought confusion, heartache, and fear. You see, this was to be a glorious birth that brought hope and life to all of humanity, but Joseph couldn't see that point. He's hurt. He's devastated. He's broken. You see, I can imagine that Joseph had all kinds of emotions running through his mind and running through his head when he heard this news. I'm sure Joseph had some unresolved questions that he wanted answers for. He's probably wondering how could Mary have done this to him? How could Mary have been unfaithful? Everything that he'd been looking forward to is shattered. His perfect dream had now become a nightmare. Have you ever been there? Isn't that how... Isn't that how life is? You can have dreams and plans and hopes and goals and all of a sudden some unexpected event takes place and all of a sudden your hopes, your plans, your dreams, it comes crashing down around you. That you think you've got all of your life mapped out, you've made all the preparations and you've laid everything out the way you want it to go, but all of a sudden something takes place. And it all comes crashing down. It all comes shattering down around you. And what you thought was a dream and goal and plan that you had now becomes nothing more than a horrible nightmare. That's where Joseph was. You see, it's the same in our life. We have these dreams and they become nightmares sometimes. Why? Because God interrupts our plans. And when these things happen, it breaks our heart. it's unexpected sometimes it's even unwanted but here's the thing like Joseph many times we're blind to the fact that God is the one working behind the scenes you see all Joseph knew was Mary's pregnant he's not the father but he didn't really understand that God was the one working behind the scenes and that's how we are can I tell you God's the one that shattered his dreams thought that he and Mary were going to get married and they were going to go old together and have kids but here's the thing they're not married yet they're engaged and it's almost as binding as marriage and she's already got a child and guess who's thought it was or guess who's to blame God that's hard for us to understand isn't it that's how things work you see our God works His will in our lives in ways that we can't always comprehend. Isaiah 55, 8, 9. Look there on the outline. says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen, God doesn't work like we work. And God's plan for us rarely are what we would plan for ourselves. You see... God doesn't usually consult us asking if we want to participate in His plan. Have you ever thought about that? God doesn't usually ask you if you want to be involved in what He's doing. He didn't ask Joseph and Mary. You won't find one verse in the Bible where He came to them and said, Do you want to be a part of this? No, God just interrupted their lives, interrupted their plan with His plan, and said, This is how it's going to be. And we don't like that, do we? Because we don't like interruptions to our plans. We don't like anybody messing with our goals and our dreams and our hopes and our future. But you hear me, if you're going to serve God, sometimes He's going to mess with your plans. Sometimes He's going to mess with your dreams. Sometimes He's going to mess with your hopes. Sometimes He's going to shatter everything you've tried to build up for yourself. See, I never had any idea that someday I'd be called to preach. I was a shy, bashful young man. And here's the thing when I got outside the pulpit I'm still reserved. I still like keeping to myself. I listen, I find enjoyment being alone. Some people don't like that. They, they like a crowd, they like a party, they like being in the midst of the scene. That's not me. Put me in a room by myself. Give me an iPad or something I can read and mess with. And I'm happy. I'm fine. And so why God would call me to do this, I don't know. I didn't have plans for it. But here's the thing. Long before I came into this world, God had chosen me and called me. And even as a child, four or five years old, I'd take an old broken microphone and act like I was preaching into it. I'd mock the preacher like I was preaching. Maybe just a foretaste and a foretelling of what one day I would do. But the only reason I do what I do is why? Because God interrupted my plans. I was going to go to college. I was going to be a music education major. I was going to be a band teacher and do something that I love to do, music. But God shattered my plans, Brother Tommy. And guess what? He didn't ask me if I wanted to ask my permission. Scotty, do you want to be a preacher? He just called. And I only got two options. I can say yes or I can say no. But it doesn't change the fact of what He called me to do. And here's the thing. God has a plan for your life. And that plan for you, He picked it and chose it for you before you came into this world. God told Jeremiah, I ordained your prophet before you were in your mother's womb. So here's the thing, you may try to deny your purpose, you may try to deny what God's called you to do, but here's the thing, you can't get away from it, because that's God's purpose. And here's the thing, here's what I know about God. God has a way of getting you into His purpose. He'll shatter your plans, He'll shatter your dreams, He'll interrupt your life to get you to where you're supposed to be. Jonah said he wasn't going to Nineveh, but where did Jonah end up? He ended up in Nineveh. Because God can interrupt our plans. That's the first lesson we take away from the story is that God is interrupting our plans. But here's the thing. When it's all said and done, can I tell you who has the best plan? God does. God always has the best plan. And if you'll follow Him and seek Him and go with God, you'll find out that it all works out in the end. Because God has the best plan even when He interrupts our place. But here's the second lesson I want to give you this morning, and that is this. God works supernaturally. God works supernaturally. Verse 18 tells us, She was found with child how? Of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 tells us, Do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. These two verses tell us that the birth of Jesus was a supernatural, miraculous birth. You see, Jesus Christ had no human father. His father was God himself. Joseph was his stepdad. He was the earthly man that God had called and put in Joseph's life to raise him. But Joseph was not his father. God himself was Jesus' father. And so what makes the conception of Jesus so fantastic is the fact that he was born to a virgin. Now here's the thing, I don't have to go into detail. We know the traditional ways of how babies come into this world. There has to be a father and there has to be a mother. I don't have to go into detail. But the conception of Jesus was different. His mother was a virgin. Isaiah 7.14 says, The Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. We have to understand today that the virgin birth of Jesus is an essential doctrine. You can't get away from the virgin birth. We couldn't have a sinless Savior had He not been born of a virgin. Without a virgin birth, we don't have a sinless Savior, and we have no hope of salvation. Do you understand that? Had He not come into this world through the womb of a virgin, He'd be He'd have sin in His life just like you and I do, and He could not save us. He needs saving Himself. But because He was born of a virgin, conceived of the Holy Spirit, we can now have salvation and redemption. But here's the point I want to make. The birth of Jesus wasn't an ordinary event. It was supernatural. He was conceived by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand this morning, God works supernaturally. God works miracles. God works in ways that aren't normal or ordinary. You see, we serve a God that does things that are humanly impossible. The birth of Jesus teaches us that nothing is impossible with God. Look in Luke chapter 1 there on your notes. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? The angel comes to Mary and says, hey, you're a blessed and highly favored. You're going to have a child. And she said, how can this be? I don't know a man. I'm just a virgin. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One whom is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. You see with God nothing is impossible and that's what the birth of Jesus teaches us. And so I want to remind you this morning that as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, as we celebrate this baby coming into this world, we need to remind ourselves that we serve a God of the impossible. We need to remember that we serve a God for which nothing is too difficult for us. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're up against. But the birth of Jesus lets us know that nothing is too big for God. There is no prayer that He cannot answer. There is no need that He cannot There's nothing you're facing in your life that God cannot see you through. I'm glad today that we serve a God that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ever ask your name. As I think about the birth of Jesus, it reminds me that God knows all the stars by name. He causes the sun to rise and the sun to set. If He can take care of this world, He can take care of me. He can take care of you. He can see you through your difficulties. God's too big for him. Nothing in your life is too big for God. God works supernaturally. And you see, that messes us up because we want to figure it out. And we want answers. We want to know where the money's going to come from. We want to know where the healing's going to come from, where the miracle's going to come from. God doesn't always give you the details. You just got to trust Him, Amen. Sometimes He might send the ravens like He did for Elijah. To feed you. you just got to trust that He'll work. Sometimes it might be where He gives you an instruction like He did Peter: go down there, and the first fish you catch, open His mouth, and go pay your taxes. You just got to believe that He works, and be willing to trust and obey. Because we serve a God for which nothing is too difficult for. But here's the third thing I want you to see this morning. I feel his presence this morning. You, you may not be blessed this morning. I'm blessing myself. God desires to save the lost. I learned from the birth of Jesus that God desires to save the lost. Verse 21 of Matthew chapter 1 tells us this. She will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. The angel tells Joseph, "Mary's going to have a son. He's going to have, you have a baby boy, and you're going to call his name Jesus." Now, in that day, Jesus was a common name. It's the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, Yeshua. But at his birth, Jesus. It became a special name. It became a preeminent name. That name Jesus was the name chosen by God. God said, this is what my son's going to be called. You're going to call him Jesus. You see, names don't mean a whole lot for us today. It's simply how we identify who each other is. But that name Jesus speaks of who he is. It declares his deity as the Son of God. You see, Jesus is the name that's known in heaven and recognized by angels. It's the name that brings fear to Satan and the forces of hell. But never has a name endured the ages of time as the name of Jesus. It's still the name that brings comfort to those in despair. Salvation to the sinner and hope to the hopeless. It's a name that's loved and hated, cursed and honored, received and rejected. But Jesus is a name that is above all others. And I can tell you this morning, there's people in this world right now that want to spit upon the name and curse the name of Jesus. But there will be a name, a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus, He is Lord. name reveals his personality it reveals his power and his purpose that name Jesus it means Jehovah is salvation it means the Lord saves the name Jesus reveals a God with a desire to save lost people we're told Jesus came into this world not to condemn the lost but to save the lost you see the name Jesus reminds us that he came into this world for the sole purpose of setting the captives free the name Jesus reminds us of the fact that He came into this world to die for your sins and mine sins. But the name Jesus and the birth of Jesus reminds us that God wants to see lost humanity reconciled unto Himself. That God doesn't want any to perish but all to come to repentance. And He sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world. The birth of Jesus reminds us though there's only one name that can save. And that name is Jesus. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You see, God desires to save sinners. But we must come through the One that He sent. You must come through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Me. You must call on the name of Jesus to be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord... Shall be saved. Hear me this morning. I believe at the heart of Christianity, at the heart of Christmas, is the salvation of the lost. That's why he came, to save sinners. But number four, I want you to see this morning, the fourth lesson we learned from Christmas is that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. Verse 22 says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying. In this one verse we see a clear connection that's made between the virgin conception of Jesus and the Old Testament Scriptures. God spoke through the prophet that a virgin would have a son and the birth of Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. God gave His Word and God kept His Word. God did what He said He would do. You see, we serve a God that does not lie. But He keeps His Word. We serve a God that keeps His promises. You see, we can trust our God to do what He says He's going to do, that He will fulfill every word and every promise that He has ever spoken. You see, we're living in a day where you can't trust people's word too much anymore. We're living in a day where you can't trust your family too much anymore. You can't trust your friends too much anymore. They they can't keep their word. They can't honor their promises. But listen, God will never go back on a promise. God will never not follow through on what He said. Everything that God has said in His Word can be trusted because He keeps His Word. He honors His Word. He watches over His Word to perform it. God keeps His promises. Numbers twenty-three nineteen tells us God is not a man that He should lie, nor a son of man that He should repent. Has He said and will He not do? Or has He spoken and will He not make it good? You see, God is holy. God is perfect. God is sinless. And in His holiness, it makes it impossible for Him to lie. You see, so God never deceives. He never distorts or misrepresents what He says or does. And so if God says it, you can take it as it is. Because He means what He says. You see, lying is against His nature. The Bible says this is impossible For God to lie. So God keeps His promises. But here's the fifth lesson. God wants to be known. God wants to be known. Verse 23 says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. We sing about that this morning. Emmanuel, God with us that baby that was born that first Christmas morning was called Jesus. But he would also be known as Emmanuel, which means God with us. I want you to think about this. When Jesus was born, when He came into this world, God stepped on the scene. God entered the world. And that's hard for us to wrap our mind around. That's hard for us to understand that God couldn't, wrap Himself in flesh, that God could wrap Himself in humanity and step into our world. But that child that was born at first Christmas was God in flesh. Heaven invaded earth. Why would God enter this world? Why would He take on human flesh? Yes, He came for the salvation of the lost. He came to redeem lost humanity unto Himself. But He came that He might make God known. You see, for thousands of years God appeared only in spirit. Primarily within the veil hovering over the mercy seat. But in Christ God came to dwell among men. You see, through Christ we see the personification of God in the flesh. In fact, there was one, one chance in Scripture, I think John 14, around verse 8 and 9, where Philip said, Show us the Father. And Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was the very representation of God. He came to make God known. He came to reveal the Father. He came to reveal to a world that was lost and in sin. Hey, I've come that you might know God. John 1.18 tells us this. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. That word declared, it means to unfold or expound. So when Jesus came into this world, He came to unfold or expound God and reveal God to man. Think about that. That means everything Jesus did, it was simply in an effort to unfold more of the revelation of God to man. Why? Because God wanted to be known. God didn't want to seem like He was out there at a distance from people and separated from people. He wanted people to know Him and experience Him. You see, men needed to see God not just as a lawgiver, but as a lover. Not just as a judge, but a justifier. Not as some stern, hateful being, but as a saving caring God. And Jesus showed men that. Jesus revealed God to the world. He came to a world in spiritual darkness and revealed God to men wandering in darkness. He came to illuminate the pathway of men toward God. He came to demonstrate the love of God, the mercy of God, and the grace of God. He came to tell men that there's a way to come to God and find eternal life. Jesus came so that God could be with us. You see, today we can know Jesus Christ why because he is Emmanuel God with us here's the sixth thing I want to give you this morning God desires obedience the sixth lesson we learn from the birth of Jesus in this conversation between the angel and Joseph is that God desires obedience verse 24 or 25 say this then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Joseph's plans were interrupted. His dreams were shattered. But he obeyed God. Think about it. Despite the circumstances, despite the appearance of things, Joseph obeyed. He did exactly what God said. Now imagine how difficult it must have been. Put yourself in his shoes for a moment. Mary was pregnant, but they weren't married. Imagine how much gossip there must have been. If it was anything like today, I can imagine that there was a bunch of stories gotten stirred up. A bunch of gossip going on what did the neighbors think? Because you know, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody has to have their say and their input and what they think happened. If you're Joseph and Mary, what do you tell everybody? Would people believe that angels came to you And that you're still a virgin and yet pregnant? It don't matter that your neighbors and your friends and family have known you your entire life. Are they going to believe that angels showed up and the Holy Ghost impregnated you? Seems a little far-fetched, doesn't it? Because it's not natural. And all of this taking place, this setting that they're in, this environment that they're in. But Joseph did exactly what God said, despite everything. Probably with gossip and all kinds of stories swirling, he obeyed God. And I tell you, that's a great lesson for obedience on the part of every believer. That when God interrupts our plans and when God shatters our dreams, that when God begins to mess with our life, will we be obedient to Him? I want to ask you this morning, will you obey God even when it's difficult? Will you obey God even when others won't understand why you're doing what you're doing? Will you obey God even if others begin to talk and stir up rumors and gossip and maybe even try to destroy your reputation? Will you still obey God? Joseph did. Bible very clearly tells us that he was a just man. He was a righteous man. He wanted to please God and he knew that her being pregnant was not right, them not being married. But here's the thing I like about Joseph. you'll look at this text, is that he didn't do anything hastily. He considered, read your, read your text. Go back and read. He, he, he pondered and thought and considered what to do. And I tell you, we get in trouble sometimes and we rush into things before we actually consider what we need to do. But as he took the time to consider what he needed to do, in fact, the Bible says he got woken from his sleep. That means he, he slept on it. Let me just say, sometimes the best thing you do is just sleep on it. And when he woke up after this conversation with the angel, he knew what he needed to do even though maybe his feelings was telling him, that's not what you need to do. Even though his logic and rationality was telling him, that that's not what you need to do. You're going to, you're going to be looked at and scorned and laughed at and moaned. You're, you're taking a pregnant woman that has a child that's not yours. But he obeyed God. Will you go with God even when everybody else says, you don't need to go with God? I want to go with God and trust Him. And sometimes that's what you have to do. You just have to go with God and let the chips fall where they may, knowing that God will work everything out for our good and His glory. And Let me say something here about Joseph. This is not in my notes, but here's the thing. We don't talk much about Joseph during Christmas. He's the unforgotten hero of Christmas. We talk about Mary. We talk about the angels. We talk about the shepherd and the wise men. And we talk about Jesus. But we don't talk much about Joseph. But Joseph was a great man. To do what he did. To be chosen to raise the Son of God in this world. He was a man of character. A man of righteousness. And I believe it all came down to the fact that God knew He will obey me. And so as I close this morning, I want you to understand that when it comes to the birth of Jesus, when it comes to God's plan for our life, God wants us to obey. So this morning, when we love God, we will obey Him no matter what. So i close with this. The birth of Jesus teaches us some valuable lessons. And I pray we never forget. God interrupts our plans. He may even have interrupted your plans already this Christmas. You need to be willing to submit to it. He works supernaturally. I believe Christmas is a time when God can work miracles. Amen. I believe this is a time when reconciliation between family members can take place. God can work miracles. God desires to save the lost. Listen, if you've got lost family members, pray that God will use you as you get together this Christmas to speak into their life and their soul be saved. God keeps His promises. Maybe all year long long you've been praying and seeking God to do something in your life. Just remember God keeps His promises. And maybe this is the year, maybe this is the moment that God does what He says He's going to do. God wants to be known. Listen, God wants you to know Him. And as we celebrate this Christmas, don't get so caught up in the hustle and bustle that you forget Him. Because He came into this world that He might be with us and we might know Him. So take some time to get to know Him. Take some time to draw close to Him. God desires obedience. What might God be asking you to do this Christmas? What might God be putting on your heart That you need to do this time of year. Maybe God's blessed you abundantly and God wants you to bless somebody else. Maybe God's put somebody on your heart that He wants you to pray for, speak to, encourage, be kind to. What might God be encouraging you to do? Be obedient. These are the lessons we learn. Christmas, would you stand with me?